Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that we can be here as brothers and sisters in Christ to study our Heavenly Father's word. Lord, we pray that you may indeed speak to us this morning as we seek to understand how we can live lives that demonstrate that we are indeed going to heaven. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you may give us assurance that we do have that salvation. And so, Lord, we pray that we may be able to leave here this morning at peace with you because we are working our way towards that heavenly home that we so look forward to. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this week, uh, Jill and myself, we were able to have one day annual leave. It was quite uh, wonderful for us. We took Friday off and Jill and myself, we went to Melbourne. So we caught a plane Thursday afternoon, got back yesterday morning. It was making up for uh, uh, some time in Loo. And my parents, thankfully, looked after the children. So we did not take them with us. Uh, It was just Jill and myself. And we had a lovely time down in Melbourne. But one thing about that kind of a holiday always makes me nervous is the plane ride. Not so much the ride, but the fact that you have to catch that plane. And if you miss the plane, then it can pretty much ruin the entire time. That if you had to pay for another flight, and of course it's going to be much more expensive, Jill and I got a very good deal uh, to go, which is why we wanted to go. We got two for the price of one special. And so to have to pay at the last minute for another plane and we'd already paid for one, it would ruin the whole uh, time away, I am sure, if we missed that plane. And so whenever we catch a plane to go away somewhere, I'm always rather nervous because I have that stress that I'm going to miss out on something very good if I'm not there in time. And I think that's the case for a lot of things in our lives. If we, we are often quite scared that we're going to miss out on something if we aren't Going, if we don't see certain things happen in our life beforehand, we're worried that we're going to miss out on something that is very special. And this morning we've been, uh, we've come to a part of scripture that has been uh, quite a challenge for us to understand. We've been slowly working through it over many weeks and it's been hard for us to understand because it's so challenging in giving us a warning that we might miss out on heaven. And that is this passage that is before us this morning in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through to verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through to verse 12. And that's found on page 1187 of the Black Church Bibles, page 1187. I encourage you to have it open before you. And we see this warning given for us in verse 4 through to 6. We read in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 6, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance, because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. There's a warning there that you might fall away. And if you fall away, you can't come back. And then there's an illustration given of uh, such people. It says in verse 7, Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end it will be burned. 
verse 8 is particularly chilling for us, that there is land that experiences great blessing from God, but instead of producing fruit, it produces thorns and thistles. And then what happens to that land? Is it allowed to keep on producing thorns and thistles? No. It is in danger of being cursed, it says there in verse 8, and in the end it will be burned. And what God is saying here is that there are people who experience the blessing of God that then do not produce fruit, and ultimately they will be burned as a result. And of course other parts of Scripture tell us about that burning, and it's called hell. And so instead of going to heaven, we end up going to hell. And this is chilling for us to understand Because then we worry, are we going to miss out on that heavenly home? Are we going to miss out on paradise and instead be eternally damned by God for the sin in our lives? And so last week we looked at ways that we can be assured that we are going to heaven and the things that accompany salvation, the things that accompany those who are going to heaven. And they were given to us in verses 9 and 10. We read in verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 6, The author says, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. He's saying, I'm going to talk about now things that accompany salvation. You're going to heaven, you've got salvation, you're saved, and you've got things that accompany that salvation. And what are those things? Well, we read them in verse 10 and as uh, heard them preached about last week. Verse 10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. What is the difference between the group who are warned about that they might fall away and the group that are going to heaven who have salvation? Well, we saw last week, it's love for God, it says there in verse 10, and it's helping God's people. That when we love others, that is a sure and healthy sign that we have salvation, that we are going to heaven. It is a love for brothers and sisters. And 1 John, which we looked at last week, brings that out for us as well. We can't say we love God and then hate our brother. If we do that, then the truth is not in us. If you love God, then you will love other people. Now then the question is, that sounds like hard work. How can I be sure that I'm going to heaven and be sure that I'm loving people as a sign that I am indeed going to heaven. And that's where we pick up today at verse 11 and verse 12. Verse 11 and verse 12 are going to give us ways that we can be sure that we love God, love others, so that we can then be sure that we're going to heaven. And that's what he says in verse 11 and 12. He says that this is the way, today what I'm going to say in verses 11 and 12, this is the way that you can know that you are going to heaven. And we read that in verse 11. It says, We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. And then in verse 12, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. These people who have salvation are going to have a sure hope and inherit what has been promised. So then how can you get the characteristics of Christianity in your life, of loving God and loving others? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And I've got five ways given to us in this passage. And the first is you can make your hope sure by being diligent. 
If you want to see my main points this morning, they're printed there on the back of the church bulletin. And the first is, make your hope sure by being diligent. And we read that in verse 11. He says, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. You need to be diligent if you are going to love God and love others. What does it mean to be diligent? Well, to be diligent can also be being earnest, being willing, being zealous. And so basically God is telling you to think carefully and make plans to love him and love others, which will in turn make your hope sure. So before you love others, you need to be diligent. You need to plan. You need to strategize. You need to think carefully. You need to work up some zeal about loving God and loving others. And then if you love God and love others, then you can be sure that you are going to heaven. And this is what we do for anything that we want to be careful about and that we are worried about. We make plans. We are diligent. So when I know that I have to catch a plane, and if I miss that plane, it's going to be very bad, then I am diligent in making sure that I take adequate preparations that I get on the plane. What do I do? I check timetables. I make sure that I know where the buses go and then where the bus connects to the train because of Des Moines, we don't have a train station here, so an extra complicating factor. And so I make sure I check the bus timetable, I check the train timetable, and I allow enough time between my leaving Des Moines to getting to the airport. What does that require me to do? It requires me to be diligent. And that is what we do in so much of our lives. We are very diligent about our work. If we want money, then we think carefully about how am I going to get money? Where is money going to come from? What can I do? What sort of work can I do so that I can have money in my life and then provide for my needs? And even with our pleasures, we are diligent. We sit down and think about We do some research on maybe you want a new TV. Maybe you want some sort of gaming console. You do some research. Maybe you want to go away on holidays and you do some research of different places. You are diligent. And God wants us to be diligent as well about loving him and loving others. We should strategize on, those, uh, on how to fulfill those signs of being a Christian. That we are going to make sure that we have love for God and love for others. And we're going to do that by being diligent. Now, we've got to be careful here that we don't start to think that this passage is teaching works righteousness, that we, if we are good people, then we will automatically get to heaven. If you are diligent and you love God and you love your brothers and sisters, then you will automatically go to heaven. No, that is not what is being taught by this passage. This passage is teaching us to work because we are going to heaven. You already have salvation. What you want is proof that you are going to heaven. And that proof is love for God and helping others. And then, of course, before you help others and before you love God, you've got to be diligent is what the author is saying. He wants you to show diligence. He wants you to show zealousness, a willingness, a willingness to sit down and think about how am I loving God and how am I loving others? And how can I bring more love for God and more love for others into my life? And so how do you do that? 
Well, I would encourage you, if you're not already, to be diligent at considering how you're going to fit time for loving God, particularly praying to Him and reading from His Word, into your days. That you plan an appointment with God each day. We plan appointments with lots of people. You make plans to have family over. You make plans to meet with friends. You make plans to go to work. Do you make plans? Do you show that same diligence that you do with others? Do you do that with God? Do you schedule an appointment with God on your calendar each day? Because you know that love for God is so important because it verifies that you are going to heaven. And so you want to make sure that you have time to worship him in prayer and Bible reading each day. Do you do that? Do you show that diligence? And what about loving others? Do you show that diligence in working out, now how am I going to spend time loving those around me? I know that I'm supposed to. If I'm going to have a sure hope that I'm going to heaven, then I need to love others. How am I going to show diligence in doing that? And so do you plan to meet with brothers and sisters in Christ and help them and love them? I mean, the first example would, of course, be church on Sundays. Just showing up at church is such an encouragement to other brothers and sisters in Christ that there are other people who worship the same God and that God is true. And when you go through struggles, it's often you find out about that at church and uh, about other people's struggles and that you can help them and encourage them. So do you show diligence in scheduling church into your timetables, into your week? And then other times that you want to meet with Christians and encourage them, because that's what we're called to do. Verse 10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Do you plan to help people? Do you hear about their needs and then say, okay, I can't just let that go. I've got to work out how am I going to address that? How am I going to help that person? That is what you are called to do. Show diligence in loving God and helping those around us. And you're not supposed to just do it once and say, okay, I've I've ticked that box of being diligent in helping others. What does he say in verse 11? He says, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. You're meant to keep doing it all your life. There's no time where you say, okay, I'm retiring from loving God and I'm retiring from loving others and helping others. No, we're supposed to show diligence in loving those around us, including God, to the very end. So that's the first thing that we can uh, learn as to how we can love God and love others so that we can be sure we're going to heaven. What's another way that you can make your hope sure? Make sure you are catching that plane to heaven. Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Make your hope sure by not being lazy. And we read that in verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. We do not want you to become lazy. And basically this is just the opposite of being diligent, isn't it? The author has said be diligent, but then he wants to he's put it positively, and now he puts it negatively. What's the opposite of being diligent? Well, it's being lazy. And we've got to be careful about being lazy towards loving God and loving others. We don't think, oh, well, I'll just let love happen in my life towards others, towards God and to other people. 
because we've got to remember that if we showed that same lack of diligence and were lazy about work and thought, ah, oh, I know I'm supposed to work, I know I'm supposed to get money to supply my needs, but I'll just let the work come to me. You'd be considered a fool that you just allow such things to happen, that that'll come along. And it's the same with loving God and loving others. People think, oh, I'll just wait for love to arise in my heart for others and for love just to happen between me and God and me and others. It'll just happen. If it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. And there's that common idea of let go and let God, which often is an excuse for being lazy. There's absolutely no understanding of responsibility with that, that Yes, God is sovereign and we should let him work in our lives, absolutely. But if let go and let God means if I love God or I love others, it's God's work in me. If I don't, well, God didn't want me to do it. No, we have a responsibility to make sure that we're not being lazy. Yes, we should want God to work in us, absolutely. And if we do anything right, it is because of God's power. But we can't just take away all our responsibility That is laziness. And we should work at loving God and loving others and not be lazy about it. We should show diligence instead. So we're not to to be diligent. We're not meant to be lazy. What else can we do to make sure that we're going to heaven, that we have love for God and love for others? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Make your hope sure by imitating others. Make your hope sure by imitating others. And we read that in verse 12. Verse 12 says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. We're told to imitate others. And this is not surprising. After all, we find that imitating others is often how we learn to do anything in this world. That's one of the great blessings of YouTube. YouTube, that internet website that has a lot of problems with it as well. It seems to give not people 15 minutes of fame, but they think that they're famous for days and days and everything in their life should be chronicled and uploaded to the internet. A lot of what's on YouTube is absolute rubbish. But there are lots of instructions given on YouTube as well that you can follow. I learned to tie a tie properly through YouTube. Before that, I'd been doing what probably counts as like a schoolboy knot that I learned at Boys Brigade. But to actually tie a tie properly, YouTube was my answer. I saw a person there, they tied it in front of me and showed me exactly how to do it. And I watched that video a number of times, copying, and eventually I learned to imitate the person that I was watching on YouTube. And we learn a lot of behaviours by imitating others. And that is what God is telling us to do in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 6. He knows that loving God and helping others is hard work. And so if we're going to do it properly, then we need to imitate people. Verse 12, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate. Now, who are we supposed to imitate? He tells us in verse 12, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Who are we meant to imitate? We're meant to imitate those who are Christians, those who have inherited what has been promised. We're not meant to imitate non-Christians. 
for how to love God and love others, you'd be absolutely foolish to imitate a non-Christian and how they love God because pretty much there is no love for God in their life. We're meant to imitate Christians and learn how to love others as well, not just God but others, by looking at their example. Because let's face it, there's lots of false conceptions of what love is in this world. A lot of people think that love is just simply a feeling, an emotion. And so you ascertain, oh, do I love this person? And, and if you don't, well, uh, if you can't work up some sort of feeling there, then you must not love that person. But we understand from the Bible that love is a, a, a verb, that we show love not by just our words and working up some feeling, but by the way that we live. And of course, if it's done by the way that we live, that you can see love, then other people can see your example of love and imitate it. And so if we are to love God and love others, then we need to copy other Christians. We need their examples and follow them. Now the question then is, who should I imitate? Should I imitate all Christians? Well, let's face it, some Christians are bad examples to imitate. Yes, they do love God and they do love others, but they're not necessarily the best examples that we should follow. And so we've got to work out what are the best examples that we can imitate of people who have loved God and loved others. And in the next few verses, someone's going to be held up for us to imitate. And we won't look at it this week, but we will in our following weeks. And that person is Abraham. In verse 13, it says, When God made this promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. And so we'll look in future weeks at Abraham as an example of someone that we should imitate. But... Abraham's not the only person that can be held up as an example for us to imitate. The Old Testament and the New Testament are full of examples of people that we can imitate, of how they loved God and how they loved others, and those are people that did indeed inherit salvation. And so we should be looking to follow their example. But not just in the Bible are there examples, there are people in church history. We can read books about those people who have gone before us and done wonderful things for God, showed wonderful love for others and wonderful love for God and imitate those people so that we can know how to love God, love others and then be assured that we are going to heaven. And not just church history but even people today. There are many Christians around the world today that are worthy of following, of imitating the way that they behave. And some of those people may even be in your local community and are worth committing to being a part of their church. That is one of the good reasons to go to a local church is so that you have living... I've got many dead examples in church history and in the Bible as to who I can imitate, and so do you, but we should also have living examples around us. And not just people who are alive somewhere in the world and you can hear their messages over YouTube or... MP3s, but people who are there physically in front of you that you see week by week. You should not be going to a local church, not committed to a local church that is full of bad examples of how you live the Christian life. You should be going to a local church that is full full of sinners. We've got to recognise that we're all sinners. But there should be people at your local church who are worthy of imitation. Are you committed to a local church so you've got people there that you can imitate? on how to love God and how to love others. 
And there's one other example that we should learn from who we can imitate. One very good example. Who is that? It's Jesus Christ as well. He inherited what was promised to him. He's described there in verse 12. I think we can apply that to him. Verse 12 says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. He was given great promises by God. He is someone that we can imitate. Now, you may be saying, okay, so what do I want to particularly imitate about those people? Or what should I be looking for in such people so that I know who are the good examples to imitate and who are the bad examples? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. Make your hope sure by faith. Make your hope sure by faith. And we see that in verse 12. It says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. If you are to love God and love others around you, you're up for some pretty hard work. There's a lot of you, a part of you, just your sinful self, that won't want to love God. And there's a sinful part of you that won't want to love those around you. What you need is faith. You need to trust God, that he is in control and he loves you and cares for you despite the struggles that you are going through in loving him and loving those around you. And so that means you need heroes of faith if you're going to learn from their example of love for God and help for those around them. You need people who have great faith. So who should you be looking for? As I said, Old Testament, New Testament, they have lots of examples. And particularly, Hebrews chapter 11 gives us wonderful examples, a whole list of people from the Old Testament who are heroes of what? Of faith. Maybe this afternoon you can go home and have a read about those people. Just one chapter of the Bible, Hebrews 11. This afternoon, have a read through it and see what those people are commended for. Again and again, it is their faith. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for people of faith around you that you can imitate. And who is a great example of that? Well, I come back to Jesus Christ again. Jesus Christ trusted God. He had great faith. Even the book of Hebrews tells us that. Just back one page. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2. Or I shall read from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Learn from Jesus' example. His strong faith. He had, he had different temptations. He had distress while he was in this world. But he continued to trust in God. And so he is an example of someone that we should imitate because he is a person of great faith. What else can you look for in those who you want to imitate? Not just faith, there is something else given to us this morning and that's my fifth main point. Make your hope sure by patience. Make your hope sure by patience. And we read that in verse 12 as well. It says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience Inherit what has been promised. If we look deep into our hearts, we can see that impatience has to be one of our biggest problems, particularly in loving God and loving those around us. If you are impatient with God because he has not given you what you want, even though you may have asked in prayer, it's going to be difficult to love him. If you are impatient with those around you because they're just not doing what you want or conforming to the standard that you have for them, 
then it's going to be hard to love them. And so what you need, if you're going to love God and love others, is examples of people of patience in your life. Examples who may be dead examples in the sense that they are long gone to be with God in glory. So people in the Old Testament, New Testament, church history, but even people in the life around you and the church that you go to. You should look for examples of patience in others and then imitate them. See the godly patience that they display and how then that leads them to love God and love others. I've recognised this in my own life, that patience has to be one of the key things that I've learnt in ministry. That if I do not have patience as a pastor, I'll pretty much get fired very quickly. It requires patience, this job. But I think that goes across the board for all Christians. If you are impatient and you want things to happen rapidly, then you're not going to be a loving person. You're not going to be loving towards God. You're going to be disgruntled with him. And you're not going to be loving to those around you. You require patience. Things don't happen according to your plan most of the time. And that's where you require patience. You require and you need people who are great examples of patience. And Jesus is an example of patience as well. You see his patience again and again towards people, particularly his disciples. And let's face it, if you were there too, you'd probably be blundering along like the rest of them. And Jesus would be exercising that same patience with you as he does today. We should learn from Jesus' patience and imitate him so that we then are able to love God, even though he hasn't done the things that we want him to do. And even though those people around us haven't done those things that we want them to do, we are patient with them and then able to love God and love those people around us, which then leads us to know that if we are able to love them, then we are going to heaven. Do you see how it all works, how it fits together? It's a bit of a confusing sermon because we've taken it in bite-sized chunks over previous weeks. What we're trying to do today is we're trying to see if we are going to heaven. And we know that we're going to heaven because we love God and love others. But then how do we work at loving God and loving others because it doesn't happen naturally? And today's lesson has all been about diligence, imitating people, not being lazy, imitating people who have patience and faith. If we do that, then we're going to be able to love people, love God, and then we're going to know that we have that salvation. So is that you? Are you doing what this author has said in verse 11 of making your hope sure? Do you seek to make your hope sure that you do have that ticket to heaven, you have salvation? Do you do that by wanting to see more love for God and others in your life? And you make sure your, make your hope sure by being diligent. When was the last time you actually considered sitting down and thinking about how can I show God more love in my life? Or sat down and thought about how can I show more love to others in my life? Do you ever have a strategy meeting? with yourself about that? Or are you lazy about it and think, I'll just let go and let love well up in my life towards others and if it doesn't, well, it's not my fault. Do you make your hope sure by looking for examples to imitate? 
Do you read church history? Read about those heroes who have gone before us? Do you even read the Bible? Read the Old Testament? Read the New Testament? And look at those people and look at how they're examples of patience and examples of faith for us to follow. Do you show diligence in studying such people so that their new can make your hope sure? Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the wonderful salvation that you give us. And we thank you that you give us signs to know that our hope is sure, that we are indeed on the way to heaven. And that is by the love that we display towards you and the love that we display towards others. But Lord, we recognise that it is hard to love you and love others, that the flesh fights against it so much and the world encourages us not to and the evil one also, Satan himself, encourages us to not love you and love others. So Lord, we pray that we may be diligent and not be lazy about loving you and loving others. And Lord, we pray that you may help us to get examples for us to follow, examples of people that we can imitate, people of faith and people of patience. May you surround us with them at our local church, but also in this world today. And may we surround ourselves with such examples by reading your word and looking at the faith and patience of people who have gone before us. And may we want to be like them and follow them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.